Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Womankind Podcast. My name is Kelsey, and this is our first episode. Before we get into the first episode, I just want to talk a little bit about what the mission is for this podcast. 2016 has been a pretty rough year, and it's led me to think a lot about what it means to be a woman. And so my quest through this podcast is to understand what it means to be a woman in the year 2016. So I've had some pretty lofty goals of the people that I would like to interview on the show. Um, But as it turns out, when I thought about it, the people that I surround myself with, the women that I surround myself with are amazing. So I am going to tell their stories through this podcast. And the place where I'm going to start is with my best friend, Jen O'Donnell. So we're just going to talk through the questions that I had laid out for her and First, we're just going to start with a little introduction. Um, So Jen O'Donnell, she is a Buffalo born and raised girl. She currently lives in Los Angeles, California, where she is a stand-up comedian and also a reality TV producer. So I'm going to let her tell her story a little bit right now. I didn't know that you were going to say I was your best friend, Kelsey. (laughs) I also didn't know that this was a podcast um, for women that you respect. I thought that um, I was just like a, a, a fluff mm-hmm. guest, you know. I mean, I just had to fill the <laughs> ranks. <laughs> Nobody was available. It's it's Christmas week. Here I am. No, that's a really big honor, Kelsey. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Yeah, I'm going to cry. <laughs> that's so great. You can't cry on the first podcast. Okay. No, there's no crying <laughs> in, in Womenkind podcasting. <laughs> but but you in, know what? in reality, there's <laughs> probably a lot of crying. <laughs> I'm already starting. That's great, though. I think that that's great. I like what you said that it's a quest to understand too, because um, quests aren't easy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They're not easy. No. Most people don't want to take on a quest. Mm-hmm. So, and that's the thing. I have I have answers to the questions myself, but I feel like I need to explore a little bit more before I settle on some things. Yeah. And what better way to do it than in a conversation? Absolutely. I love it. And the first part of a quest is a question. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> so hit, maybe hit me with the first one. Or wait, am well, I supposed to just go into it? Well, the first question is really just to give our listeners a sense of who you are. Tell us a little bit about your story. Oh, Whatever story. you take that to mean. I like that. Um, my story is that um, I guess I was always a creator, and mm-hmm. I find um, creating like the act of it to be mm, probably my favorite thing in the world. And um, for me, it was figuring out what I wanted to create. Um, And I guess I create in a lot of different capacities, but I think that uh, my story is that of being a creator. Um, I am a writer. I am a TV producer. I'm a stand-up comedian. Um, I am a sister and an aunt and a niece and a girlfriend and um, those are a lot of lady roles mm-hmm. <laughs> um, a big part of my story is I think that I am a feminist and I've always been one um, even when I didn't really know what that meant uh, I also remember that when I was 11 years old my dad told me that I was a bleeding heart <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't know what that meant um, oh Bob <laughs> And I, I don't know where, it, I really don't know what, what the origins were, um, but I think that a lot of it comes from the fact that I'm also um, a reader, and I've always read a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so 
I just would like, I mean, I, I really, really consume a lot of books, and mm-hmm. I'm a person who likes to um, know things and exp- like see the world through other people's eyes. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that I, as a reader, became a writer, and that my story is actually that I, I want to be a storyteller. And so that's how I ended up in television. That's how I ended up as a comedian. And that's probably how I ended up uh, as your first guest on this podcast. Is one of the <laughs> reasons. So I think, um, yeah, I think that obviously my I'm still writing my story. But um, I think that um, this is a, a fun chapter to pop into. Mm-hmm. 2016 is a fun chapter to be telling my story. <laughs> So of all of those things that you just mentioned, of all your outlets of creativity, um, have you viewed yourself as a woman in those situations, or are you just a creator, period? I think that um, I would be lying if I said that I was not, um, that my voice was not different or or unique because of being a woman. Mm I, for a long time, tried to run away from that because I thought that being a woman or sort of celebrating um, femininity or, like, celebrating being a woman was a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I always was like, yeah, well, I am a writer, but I'm not a female writer. And and, and even into my 20s said things like that. Um, and I think that the whole time I was actually being sort of robbed of a really special, unique thing mm-hmm. that I should have embraced instead of sort of ran from, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, because I have a very different experience as a female comic, as a female TV producer. Um, and so that's a big part of it. And I don't mm-hmm. think that, um, I think saying something like, oh, well, you know, I get brought up on stage a lot. It's like this next female comic, like that's like the running joke. Like, why aren't you just a comic? Why are you a female comic? And it's always like this next female comic is a young lady who's a pretty girl who like, and why Mm -hmm. don't we have all of these? Mm -hmm. But it's interesting because I would introduce myself as I would tell you that I was a feminist comic because that, that tells you a little bit about the kind of material that I do. Mm -hmm. But like, why why put the female in front of it but it's tough i don't think there's like an easy answer because mm-hmm. i think that um i i fully embrace that i fully mm-hmm. embrace that i am a female comic and then that that that's a part of it um and it's a part of what makes what i say unique but like <laughs> thinking about it i feel like it just comes down to the person who brings me out i'm like if that guy sucks and i don't like him mm-hmm. then it's coming from a bad place mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah like oh there's a female coming yeah. out next yeah like prepare yourselves mm-hmm. yeah prepare yourselves mm-hmm. <laughs> well that's interesting there's something that i've that not so much connected to comedy but we could connect it to comedy but connected to writing um recently i was reading Jane Eyre with my students and there's this whole controversy over the voices that we read from like the Victorian era are they actually female voices or are they just female voices trying to like claw their way out of the oppression of trying to fit into the world as a male writer and so I think we're in a pretty unique time right now where you can have your voice as a female writer and have it 
out there with the rest of the writers that are out there and I think we're losing that title. I think we're headed in the direction of losing the title of a quote unquote female writer, female comedian. Right. That's a good, that's an interesting point. I am um, always sort of with an eye roll when somebody pulls out like something like Kerouac, right? Mm-hmm. Like stories of like guys who just get to like ramble and travel mm-hmm. and like see the world like and you know what happens to women when they do that? <laughs> they get murdered. <laughs> well, that's what I love about, um, like, Cheryl Strait. And that's mm-hmm. what I love about, that's what I loved the most about reading Wild, which came out a couple years ago, mm-hmm. was that, um, you know, I grew up with the idea of, like, only men can take journeys like that. Mm-hmm. And um, because truly they, c- they could, like, only they could. And she even talks about it in her book, like, a woman doing that, it wouldn't happen. She would be saddled up with three kids while her, the guy who knocked her up got to go and be mm-hmm. a cowboy and roam free and mm-hmm. live life. And so I don't think that women had not even just the opportunity to write stories like that. They didn't have the opportunity to experience stories mm-hmm. like that until now. Um, and I think that the message that you can is super important. And I think that, you know, my niece is nine years old. And I would love her to know that a woman can go and do that mm-hmm. and not get murdered. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think that we, are, I agree with you that we are losing that title. And I think that the goal is, I truly do want the goal to be equality. Um, but I think that the pendulum has to swing in a really, really far direction before that can get there. So. Mm-hmm. I was wondering how long it would take for us to talk about Cheryl Strayed in this <laughs> podcast, and here we are, episode one. I knew that would happen. Um, so let's talk specifically about what it means to you to be a woman in 2016. Yeah, this has been an interesting uh, year, and by interesting, I mean terrible. Mm-hmm. Now, <laughs> um, I, um, you know, I probably... I would say came into my own as a feminist, if that's what you would call it, uh, only in the last like maybe five years, right? Mm-hmm. Like maybe in my early twenties, I probably wouldn't have said that I was a feminist. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, there's a lot of things that I uh, <laughs> that I had a really difficult time with, along with a lot of women this year. Um, and I think being a woman in 2016 is quite a little sliver of history. Uh, because I think that we went from such pure and ex- like hope and excitement to literally just the worst possible result that you could imagine mm-hmm. as a woman. Um, Kelsey was here or there when this happened, but I got into a fight with my sister's boyfriend yes, at a bar last fun. night <laughs> who uh, was a proud Trump supporter. And in the car on the way home, what I told my sister and and my brother who were in the car with me, what I told them is that what I feel like is that everybody who voted for Trump personally hates me. (laughs) I was like, I raise your hand if you feel personally victimized (laughs) by, because he truly represents everything that I feel like the feminist movement is against. Um, And and, a host of other things, but this, this, this podcast is about feminism Mm -hmm. um and so i feel personally hated by him and all of the angry white men who support him and so that's what i tried to you know that's what i tried to sort of sum up to them um but as a woman in 2016 you know i 
had worked on a couple projects. Uh, obviously, I mean, I'm, I was not just pro-Hillary. I was like super, super, super pro-Hillary. <laughs> and even to people who sort of met it with an eye roll of like, well, I guess. Um, you know, I was one of the, I, I read her books. I, you know, sort of did the, I did all the homework that you could possibly do and um, came out so pro-Hillary. And, um, you know, I think that as a woman who, I'm a woman who worked hard and raised her hand in class that everybody rolled their eyes at because they didn't want her to answer the question. <laughs> you know, I think I personally identified with her a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and so I took it very personally and I took her loss very personally. Um, and I think that in 2016, it was a really tough year to be a woman because I think a lot of women who um, are, are, you know, agents of change and women who are trying to work towards uh, the common goal of equality, I think that this has been such a huge slap in the face. Um, and it's and for others, I think, <laughs> I kind of had this weird moment where uh, for other women who suddenly realized that we were unequal or other women who suddenly realized that men like that could still make it in the world, I kind of had this moment where I was like, welcome, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, w y like waking up isn't fun, mm -hmm. you know, nobody wants to wake mm -hmm. up. And um, I think 2016 was a, a heartbreaking upset for a lot of the progress that women are making. Um, I read this quote by Susan B. Anthony that Gloria Steinem had posted, and it basically was, you know, it said that she'd wished that all women would be able to wake up and see truly how oppressed we are. Mm -hmm. and, and, and said, if only you could see through my eyes how much we're held back. And that quote was from 100 years ago. <laughs> was it something about invisible chains? That sounds familiar to me. Yes. Okay, That's I've seen one. that. Yes. Um, yeah, actually, recently in my class, I'm, I'm a high school teacher, if you guys haven't gathered yet, uh, we were reading a speech by Anna Howard Shaw from, I think, 1901. Um, and that speech, honestly, could have been written, like, if I didn't see the name on it and I didn't see the year, it could have been written today about what's going on right now. Um, and I know that so much has changed and we've come so far but we do, I feel like we really do have a long, long way to go. Yes. But not that we didn't think we did, but. Well, I think that this, what's happened this year has just highlighted how far we have to go. And I think that it was surprising to a lot of people because we thought that we were a bit farther. And I know that there are a lot of nuances that go into this, and it isn't simply a matter of sexism in this situation, but. I don't know. I, I think some good that may come from this is that people are realizing that we have to work harder. And that's, I mean, that this podcast was born from that realization. So hopefully people will be making more changes in that direction. And I think, I mean, I will, um, you know, I, I very much respect you for, for making that change because I think that um, action is so hard and it's terrible mm -hmm. and it sucks. And mm -hmm. Kelsey and I would love to be watching Netflix right now <laughs> and eating Chinese food, which we're probably I mean, who do says we're this. not? But um, change and action are really tough. And I think the overall word in 2016 is 
truly it, it is sexism. I think that for the first time, people were like, what? <laughs> we live in a different, women live in a diff, have a different existence, have a different set of expectations. What? And if they didn't, wake up. <laughs> <laughs> good um, morning. Good morning. Hello. Um, and yeah, I think that every small little thing that you can do to change that um, is, is really important because... I am a person who believes that uh, equality of the sexes will make everybody's lives better, not just women. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that it's on all of us to to really take a look at our own sexism and our own, um, you know, I guess preconceived notions about what women are supposed to be, um, and then throw those in the garbage and mm -hmm. rewrite it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. So that brings me to another question for you. I'm ready. Um, what are the hardest parts about being a woman in your eyes? I think for me personally, um, being a woman to me, how it was spoon fed to me and how I think um, the media, I think, spins it as well, is that to me, I think being a woman means I have to be all things at once. And a little bit of that, I think, I, I think that comes from the field that I work in. Um, I think a lot of it comes from the way I was raised. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of it, too, is then reinforced in what we see in media. Um, you know, being all things means that, you know, I was explaining this the other day, like, you know, if I'm, I, I work with men and I work for men, um, and there's no avoiding that, I've tried. Um, <laughs> and I feel like I have to, and I work with women, and I work with men, and I work for men, and I work for, you know, I, I mean, I have female bosses, male bosses, mm -hmm. all of it. But I feel like I have to know how to play golf and talk about scotch, but I also have to know, um, you know, when to go, how to bake something, or how to roast a chicken, mm -hmm. or how to, what, how to contour my face. Mm -hmm. I feel like I have to know all things. And I think that we have such a premium on male knowledge, mm -hmm. and I think that we have such a um, not a dis yeah, disdain and disrespect for what we would consider female knowledge. Mm -hmm. um, you know, contouring your face is a form of art. Do you, know? you really know how to do that? Contour my face? Yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> but like people who are making videos of contouring their face mm -hmm. are artists who want to do that mm -hmm. you know women who are roasting a chicken mm -hmm. who are reading julia child books mm -hmm. and want to make a, a perfect chicken it, that's a that's a beautiful piece of knowledge mm -hmm. that you should have and yet if i were talking about that in a meeting it's met with an eye roll mm -hmm. but if we talk about a football game that happened the day before for 20 minutes that's fine. That's it's mm -hmm. it, it, and if mm -hmm. I don't know about that football game, then mm -hmm. something's wrong. And it's mm -hmm. like I have to like catch up on the score on the way to work so I mm -hmm. know what to talk about about a football game. And I'm like, well, I roasted the chickens and read a book about Gloria Steinem. What what can I? <laughs> right. So I forgot what the question was, but I mean, <laughs> I think you answered it. Uh, yeah, I think it's I the think hardest part of being a the woman. hardest part of being a woman is having. I f I personally feel like I have to be and know and do all things plus be a woman, and that's very difficult. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to have those expectations for anybody, mm -hmm. <laughs> let alone myself. So what happens if you don't 
do those things. If you don't have the knowledge of the football game and you do focus on just, not just, but if you focus on the things that you like and the things that you want to do and kind of ignore the rest. Right. And I've played through those scenarios in my head because that scenario isn't career ending. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? You know, the scenario that I don't know who won a football game or the scenario that I um, don't like scotch, right? Mm -hmm. What ends up happening is that my fear is that somebody else comes along who can play that game Mm -hmm. or play ball that way, and then that person becomes favored in a different way, Mm -hmm. right? And, you know, and maybe this is the way it works for me specifically, but I bet a lot of other professional women would feel the same, Mm -hmm. that, you know, being um, being out for drinks... And everybody, you know, it's, it's coworkers or it's people who you work with and work for and maybe it's networking. And, you know, when it's time for the next round of drinks and you don't get a drink, it's like, well, there's a person who can't hang, mm-hmm. you know, or like there's a person who I'm not going to do business with next time. Or, you know, you feel mm-hmm. it's sort of a social pressure. Um, and, yeah, and I agree. I mean, I um, recognize that I probably have invented a lot of that. But um, the fact that I've sort of have seen it in action and see it work is is undeniable. So I would not last a day in your field. <laughs> so <laughs> that's a water for you. <laughs> so what do you think? Like generally speaking, the world, and we've touched on some of this already. I'm sure um, the world needs to know about women that it doesn't know at this point. Oh, I like this question because I think that the wor- the biggest secret conspiracy to ever exist in the entire world <laughs> is the mistreatment of half the planet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that it, it and I actually have a joke about this. Um, can I tell it here on yeah, this podcast? Of course. It goes a little bit like this. I haven't done it in a while, but it's um, basically I read this stat that um, this is so terrible Uh, that um, you're more in the United States of America in this great country uh, that's always been great if you ask Um, you as a woman are more likely you're twice as likely to be to be murdered by your spouse while you're pregnant than die in childbirth Mm -hmm. so more women aren't dying in childbirth in the US I mean Mm -hmm. this doesn't happen anymore people go to hospitals except Mm -hmm. if you're on a lifetime show about having a baby in the woods <laughs> um but you're twice as likely to be murdered when you're pregnant than any other time and it, a lot has to do i mean it's like pregnancy is a difficult time you know it's a time where maybe you were ha- it was an affair and that maybe the baby wasn't welcome or maybe this brought up it's a million things that mean that a, a lot of change and drama is stirred up and um so then men just are like well it's time to murder m- my wife and unborn child then <laughs> And it's this crazy stat. And after I read this, I was like, this blows my mind. Like, this blows my mind. Because basically, we've tasked pregnant women with arguably the most important job on the planet, right? Like, hey, like can populating you, yeah, the human race. Just uh, carry on the human race for us. Like, do you mind? <laughs> oh, yeah. And by the way, like, watch your effing back. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is the world that we've set up for women. And, like, I, I say this all the time. Like, if the aliens came down right now <laughs> and they were like, so, so, so half the race 
um, carries the child and, and has to carry them for nine years and then nurse nine them. Months. I'm sorry, nine months. <laughs> so how, is that the gestation period on, on, on planet Earth? Uh, so you carry it and then you feed it and then, oh, but also like starting at age 14, like it's just going to mess up your entire body for like pretty much your whole life. And like mm -hmm. once a month, you're going to be pretty much out of commission for an entire week and have a headache and be bloated be, so that you can carry this child. I re I truly feel like if you were to look at that with just like with a with fresh eyes and see how we treat pregnant women, how maternity leave barely exists in our country. Um, in, in some, I recognize some countries it's better, but overall in the entire existence and history of the earth, it's more of an inconvenience. Mm -hmm. And to think that we have this giant, huge sacrifice and task that not only is, um, I think the biggest, you know, like, I, I guess sacrifice in, in sort of gift to the planet earth, but not only is it that we're just expected to do it we should be rewarded and yet are punished for mm -hmm. it. And um, I... Like, that's when you want to feel the most safe. <laughs> right. But it's when you're the most in danger. Right. And I'm like, we should get a, a, a present for this. <laughs> <laughs> like, we should... Lit like, I truly think that women should be worshipped for this. And mm -hmm. yet, um, we're just instead told what to do with our bodies and or at best told what to do and at worst told to shut up and have the kids and not talk about it mm -hmm. so but i come from a giant irish catholic family mm -hmm. so that also yeah, that may have something to <laughs> that do with that something <laughs> to do with my feelings towards that i think that's my full answer <laughs> <laughs> it was a good answer so next question um what changes would you like to see in the future for women um, what's my timeline of change? Um, let's say, let's go sh short term and then long term. So let's say short term, maybe the next five years. Okay. So short term is that, um, I hope the very least that, um, where women do have rights in the states that they do, that they are kept. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you know, I think that we have really, really dangerous people who are making very big decisions. Um, for people who they've never even thought to ask questions mm -hmm. to. Um, and I'm forgetting who the, um, the politician was, but he was a Republican male politician who a reporter asked him recently, um, why do you think women get abortions? And he was like, I, 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 I don't know. I've never thought to ask them. Well, maybe you should not be creating legislation for that. Mm -hmm. um, and so I hope that the conversation doesn't die because I think it's a very important conversation. And so my short-term hopes for women are that um, you know we don't aren't knocked back fifty years uh, or a hundred years. Um, and my long-term hope is that you know I hope to have some daughters someday. And um, there is an undeniable wage gap, and there's an undeniable um, unfair um, playing field for women, and especially minority women. And I think that, um, you know, to, for us to lie and say that uh, we live in a world and in a country s specifically where hard work and pulling up your bootstraps is going to make you, um, you know, succeed. I hope that we can all finally agree that, um, yeah, that does work if we all start at the same uh, level, if we all have the same playing field. 
but we very much don't. And so I would like to see that playing field leveled. Mm -hmm. And I recognize for men that that means losing a little bit of the privilege that they have called being a man. And I hope that they can uh, have that, uh, I hope that they can recognize that first and foremost, and then be more comfortable with giving up that privilege for the sake of equality. But I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> We're positive. We're here. positive. We're optimistic. We're po this is optimistic. <laughs> um, so, I think at this point we're going to transition into um, a segment that I'd like to do weekly on the podcast, which is where we share our favorite stories of subversi subversion um, and subversive women. Um, and so I have one that I'm going to share first, and then, Jen, you have one to share, right? Yes, okay. Okay, so this is from an article that was posted on NPR online um, not too long ago, and it's about the song Baby, It's Cold Outside, so we're going to talk about this because it's the holiday season. Very and thematic. Yes. And I didn't, I've I didn't know that the song existed until it was in the movie Elf a few years ago, and I think since then it's kind of exploded a little bit and has been under some new scrutiny. Um, and so I found it pretty interesting that so I have I have some details about the song just in case here. Um, so it was first recorded in 1949, um, and it was written by Frank Lesser. I think that's how you say that. That looks right. Yeah, sure. Yeah, Frank Lesser. Um, and it was performed by Esther Williams and Ricardo Montalban in 1949. And um, the lyrics are, in this year, 2016, somewhat controversial. Um, you know, people have called it a little bit rapey over the years. <laughs> um, you know, specifically the line where the girl says, well, what's in this drink? And she's saying that she wants to leave and um, the man is insisting that she stay. Um, and so what's happened... She wants to say no, no, no. Well, <laughs> I'll get to that. Okay, okay, <laughs> so okay. uh, there... Um, I don't know if they're a couple or what, but they're, there's a singing duo, um, Lydia, Liza, and Josiah Lemansky. They're, they've re-recorded the song this year and released it around the holiday season um, with lyrics that are more consensual. And I listen to them, and they're funny, and they're cute, and it's, it's you know, she's saying she wants to go, and he's saying, like, I hope you get home safe. And um, it just makes more sense in this day and age. Um, but something that I realized about the older song, and the article does address this a little bit, when looking at those lyrics um, a few years ago, I actually looked at them with my students, and something came up where some of the lines are suggestive that she doesn't want to leave, and she really does want to stay. And so something that it mentions in the article is that she's she does want to stay, but she's afraid of what her parents will think, what her siblings will think, and basically like the general, what this will do to her reputation if she stays drinking alone with this guy at his house. Um, and for now, when I looked at the year 1949, like that's a pretty big deal. So I think that the woman in the song is pretty subversive for that time period. But today, those lyrics don't stand. But I think that that's pretty interesting that at that time, that was like a very bold move for someone to do that. And so. she, because I actually don't remember how it, the song ends right now. So 
meaning it's subversive because she um, is like, I let's, want to. Let's find out if she stays or goes. <laughs> if she stays, then she's being subversive. If she goes, then she's giving in to what society wants her to do. Right. But I think even her, it's a, even an act of subversion to um, point it out in general because that truly is the problem. <laughs> like the guy's like, baby, stay here because who cares because I'm a man and the neighbors <laughs> just know that like I got to get laid. And she's like, but I'm a girl, so I have different standards. By the way, what a cute Christmas song. <laughs> like, Oh, my God. Have you ever seen this lyric? It says, um, at, wait, there's bound to be talk tomorrow. Think of my lifelong sorrow. Yeah. At least there will be plenty implied if you caught pneumonia and died. <laughs> I've never <laughs> seen that lyric before. That's dark. <laughs> but I still, I mean, yeah. th- it's, it's inconclusive. Yeah, right. We don't know if she stays yeah. or goes. By the way, I, my favorite one is his line that says, get over that holdout. Like, okay, come on, buddy. Okay. That, so, on. so this is why I wanted to have an open discussion about yeah. this. Yeah. I think... Um, that this guy's terrible and that we should exit house. <laughs> I mean, but it's it, silly. Where does he yeah. live? But because my question is, uh, she says my mother will start to worry. My father will be pacing the floor. My sister will be suspicious. First of all, this family is very judgmental. Um, <laughs> but what what about his family? Aren't they, shouldn't don't they? Aren't no, men can live alone <laughs> and women cannot. <laughs> like. Shouldn't he be worried about what his family would think? But that's the thing. Nobody would think anything. But Kelsey, and that's the what issue. if she got pregnant? Then it would be totally her fault. Of course it would. And only she would have to mm-hmm. deal with the results of that mistake. Absolutely. I mean, you, I, you've seen the article about how they tested birth control on men. Yeah. And they yeah. quit because it made them cranky. Aww. So... I have know. a joke about it, but I don't, I don't think I can say it on your podcast. I mean, <laughs> those, I mean, guys, get it to get your life together. Get it together. Um, well, he, he calls her beautiful a lot, and I think it's in a condescending way. Yeah, I think so, too. But still, like, at the same sweetheart. time, I applaud this woman because she was trying to go against well, what her family, yeah. not going against what her family thought, but... I don't know. She was putting herself out there and doing what she wanted to do. Right. And who knows? She could have written or this song could be um, a a, a conversation starter as well, because (laughs) obviously she's pointing out quite a double standard Mm -hmm. when it comes down to how people spend their winter nights. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Kelsey first told me that she um, uh was had picked this as her story of subversion and um i told her that i had heard the song because a month before my boyfriend and i had decided to write the song and we never recorded it and that's why you guys really lost your chance oh i'm sorry to interrupt but i just remembered um the man and woman that recorded the song are donating all of their proceeds to um, a few different charities. One of them is the Sexual Violence Center of Minnesota, um, the National Alliance to End Sexual Violence, and then Rain. So, I mean, something good is coming good. from rewriting exactly. the lyrics. And I think, too, what I was going to say is that small, tiny pieces of action, I think, are super important, especially because um, you know that all of the internet trolls like were like so obsessed with it. They were like, 
this is couple and talking about consent on the Rooney and Christmas song. Because guys like to, you know, write mean things on the internet because they're so angry. Um, but I think that they really help the cause. So I thank the internet trolls for being so angry mm -hmm. so that that story could get a lot more publicity. Mm -hmm. And that's the reason that I saw it. Because literally the um, link that I clicked was um, internet uh, troll backlash over Christmas song. Mm -hmm. So thank you to the trolls. <laughs> Well, I, I've noticed that NPR um, has done away with their comment section, which that was like one of my main forms of entertainment was reading those, and they're gone. It is tough. It <laughs> is tough. Um, it's hard out there for a troll. Sure, sure, sure is. Um, I actually, my story of, of subversion is actually much shorter, but I would have oh, come better is prepared. Oh, long? No, no, I, yours was, I'm not shorter. Yours was just better prepared than mine was. I just had like I a did quick, my research. I just had a quick tale. That's let, that's great. Yeah, let's hear the tale. Uh, and I picked because you know right now it is December 29th, 2016. We've got hours left until 2017. Um, I thought that that was the year that we would celebrate our first woman president. Um, it was not. Um, and so I actually picked Hillary Clinton for my mm -hmm. story of subversion, um, and a story that I really liked. Um, as I told Kelsey that when I was in my young 20s, um, we were talking about the millennial vote and how um, we think a lot of young women um, are already used to something like Hillary winning the Democratic nomination. They're already used to having um, you know, women in power. And so I think we've talked about how a lot of younger women than us we're sort of like, oh, well, I'll wait for the next woman to come around. And we were like, no, no, <laughs> it's been so long. Um, and so one story that I really liked, um, about Hillary that I had read when I, well, what I explained to Kelsey is that when I was in my early twenties, I probably would have, um, thought myself too punk rock and too <laughs> anti-establishment to, um, vote for Hillary. Very metal. Yeah. So I was so metal. Um, and I was wrong because, um, she's as punk rock as it gets. Uh, because she was a woman who was told that she could never do pretty much anything she said that she wanted to do. And I think that she is a public servant who just wanted to make the world a better place. And that sounds like a great person who should lead a country. Mm -hmm. um, and so one story that I always really liked about her was when um, in the 1970s when Bill had run for um, governor and had won uh, of Arkansas, when she was the first lady of Arkansas, um, they, there was a, a really big uproar because she hadn't changed her last name. And she decided not to change her last name and kept her last name for a while. And it very much was to the detriment of her husband's campaign. And it pretty much um, absorbed so much negative attention that she was basically forced to take her husband's last name. And um, you know she, she did this interview that I love watching um, with this guy who basically asks her about, you know, how she is, you know, keeps her job and how much time that must take and, um, you know, takes all of, all of this away from, from the attention from her husband. And I thought, like, here's this woman who just wants to, like, show up and do the job. And people could not get over the fact that it was just this tiny little, um, you know, subversive act that for what reason we d you couldn't even tell me mm -hmm. the, the man who interviewed her who asked her if she took her husband's last name 
if we could pull him back from the dead, <laughs> probably mm-hmm. couldn't tell us why a, wo- a woman is uh, supposed to take her husband's last name or why it was such a mar on you know, his campaign. He probably couldn't tell it because it's just weird social pressure and tradition. Um, and, you know, again, it's, ev- it's everybody's own decision to make, but um, I thought that the fact that she really tried hard not to and to, to keep her own name um, was a really subversive act for the 1970s. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. I like that story. Yeah. Do you think if she did or someone else did that today that it would have the same backlash, I wonder? <laughs> I think it still would. Mm-hmm. I think it wouldn't be as intense, mm-hmm. um, but I think it still would have backlash. I mean, I, I there's literally zero judgment from me about taking somebody's last name, but I just like to have the conversation of, why mm-hmm. you know i just i don't even know really where that tradition comes from is it from women i mean essentially were property for a long period of time and is that why they just i don't know we should look it up and i guess it's be so you know who you belong to mm-hmm. you know like i mean that's what it i guess that it makes the most sense mm-hmm. um yeah i really don't know we'll have to look that up yeah but um, I thought that that was a good example and I think a good um, thing to think about going into 2017 mm-hmm. is um, all of the pretend uh, roadblocks that we put in the way to stop people who are not normally people who are in power and uh, rewriting the rules for them when I think we should be throwing that rule book out well that sounds like a good place for us to end (laughs) is there anything else that you wanted to say that you would like to add um i wanted to say thanks for having me i feel like it's a really big honor to be on this um these are very special um you know these all of this stuff is really close to my heart um, I'll tell you a Jack Handy quote that it made me think of. Oh, tell me. Uh, Womankind, the name of your podcast. Yes. Jack Handy has a quote that's like, um, the word mankind can be broken down very simply so that you can understand the meaning of existence. It can be broken down very simply. It's two words, mank and eind, <laughs> which is a mystery, and so so is mankind. <laughs> um, but I, tru- I really like the name of womankind, and... Um, I think that um, it's uh, something that, it's a word that should be adopted. I consider myself to be a proud member of womankind. (laughs) I do too. All right. Well, thank you so much for being my first guest on the podcast. Thanks, Kels. This was fun. We'll have to do this again in the future. Um, Hopefully we'll have another um, episode coming out soon. So listen for that will be. Thanks, guys.